uh, it's been like, what, a year <laughs> with three verses. And the neat thing is, is the Lord in these last three weeks, not on a tangent, not on a side note, but very, very meticulously has put us in a place uh, in regards to gaining or understanding or being revealed this idea that God has called us to the ministry, to service. There is a great call in our life, not just in crystal, not just in mine, but in all. All that would believe. And what uh, sprung this was from Hebrews, we were talking about the ascension. And the importance, as Jesus would ascend, he told the disciples it was to our benefit that he would go. Because then the Spirit would come, right? And there is a very purpose that we have here still. Otherwise, we would not be here. Because frankly, it would be sweet if the moment we got saved, we went home to be with him. I would love to be with him right now. And uh, along with my brother, we, we would be gone right now. <laughs> but that's not the case. You see, God has a purpose for us. Otherwise, you wouldn't be breathing anymore. And with that purpose, we must remember that as he would ascend, the Spirit would come, and that there was work to be done until his return or the rapture, whatever comes first. And so we've been exhorted in these last three weeks that we need to be about the Father's business. Because that's our very purpose in life. I don't know if you know that. See, you need to know that because in that, uh, you know, as uh, last service, just praying for people to feel accepted, knowing and believing, to be able to look in the eyes of, of someone who's just downcast and say, Ephesians 1 says that you've been accepted by God. Though the world would reject you, though you feel rejection from your father, the Lord has accepted you. He's accepted us, and in that acceptance, he has a purpose and a plan, and that is to love him with all our heart, mind, and soul, and to love others. And so what we've learned these last three weeks is Christianity is not about us. It's about him, and then it's about others. Amen? Yeah. And when we get that, we really begin to become uh, a tool in the hands of the Father. And uh, if you remember, last week, you can turn there with me, we looked at a passage in 2 Timothy, chapter 4, where we were encouraged as we looked at the end of Paul's life. And this passage has always encouraged me. It's 2 Timothy 4, 6, where Paul tells Timothy, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and at this time of my departure is at hand. Then he says, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. I've kept the faith. And then he goes on to say, finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but to all who have loved him and his appearing. For all that, that believe and know that he is returning, for all that would call upon him, um, we, we, we know that someday we will meet him. And in this passage, I hope as I was, that you were encouraged to finish as well as he did, finishing well, fighting well, to be able to say, I've been poured out, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. That should be our goal. And so uh, last week, as I remember reading this pa passage, I just thought to myself, you know what? what, what was it about this man? See, because he was just that. He was a man. He was a human. He was not a super saint. The apostle Paul was not a super saint. He was not superhuman. He was a sinner of sinners, as he would say. He fell short. He was lost, and now he's found. He was blind, but now he could see. There's no difference. Right? 
I mean, the book of Acts in, in uh, chapter 8, verse 1 says that he wreaked havoc on the Christians. He would go into their homes, he would pull, pull them out, and he would put them in prison. Romans 7 tells us that the man struggled. He, the things that he wanted to do, he did not do, and the things that he should do, he didn't do. And, 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 and we can identify with that, right? We could identify with this man. Because the commonality, when it comes down to it, at, at the feet of the cross, there's level ground. Nobody's further than the other. This man was just a man who, when the scales fell off his eyes, was now passionate. And so I want to this morning, what was it that helped him to be sustained? What helped him to remain, to stay on course? What helped him to fight the good fights? To finish well, because I want to finish well. I, on that day, want to hear, well done, good and faithful servants. I needed to be encouraged. I want to sustain. I want to stay steady in my faith. And so we could do a, a character study that would take us, I don't know how long, on the Apostle Paul. Because the man did many things. He went on three long missionary journeys across the Middle East and into Europe. He wrote a majority of the New Testament. He planted many churches. And it would be difficult to convey the life of the Apostle Paul. But instead of doing that, I want to look at the fundamentals in the man's life. To make it tangible for us. To make it applicable, if we're agreeing, and if you're with me, that you want to finish well, then I believe that in studying the Bible, that we can see that there were fundamentals in the man's life that we can apply in our lives, because like him, we are sinners, fallen short of the glory of God, but we've been given all the tools. Everything that he had, we have access to. If not, we have more. So listen. We're going to look this morning at the fundamentals. It's because fundamentals are very significant. Yet they're often neglected. You can ask any coach of any sport. If fundamentals are neglected, then that player or that person is never as effective as they can be. There's a potential that can be met, but fundamentals need to be applied. Right? Boxer, football, Soccer, it doesn't matter. Ask any coach. He will tell you the importance of fundamentals. Fundamental. Look up the word. Relating to or affecting the underlying principles or structure of something. A basic and necessary component of something, especially an underlining rule or principle. And there is a necessary Christian fundamentals that must not be neglected. In order for us to finish well, there are fundamental Christian uh, basics that if we apply, we too can finish well. We too can be uh, a tool, a vessel for him. And so the three, there, there are many, but the three that we're going to cover this morning is one, we look at the life of Paul, we see that he was a man that knew the word and he did the word. He was a doer of the word, and he was very knowledgeable of the word. And second, Paul was a praying man. And then lastly, we see that Paul was a fighter. But first, we're going to look at this idea of Paul being a man of the word. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 22. We're going to be in Acts a lot this morning, because that's where we see the life of Paul. Hey, is anyone else warm in here? It's just me. Wow. Okay, good thing I have this. I had to cut up a towel because I didn't have my handkerchief. And it's doing this. But that's all right. If it doesn't bother you, it doesn't bother me. Well, listen. Acts chapter 22, verse 3. This is going to give us kind of a a, a, a short background. We're not going to do, a, a, again, an in-depth character study of the apostle Paul. But I would encourage you to do so because it would really encourage you. 
But in this particular text, he's addressing uh, a mob in Jerusalem. And in verse 3, he says, Indeed, I am a Jew, born of Tarsus, and brought up to the city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the strictest of our father's law, and was zealous towards God as you are today. He was born into a religion. He was a Jew at birth. And from the very early age, he would memorize the first five books of the Bible. And then he went on to study in the synagogues with rabbis, and he would become a devout Pharisee studying under this rabbi. And this rabbi was a very respected rabbi at the time. It would be equivalent to someone who is studying law to be able to go to Harvard and to be able to study under their uh, great professors there. Not everyone would be given this opportunity. But Paul, as he would declare to, uh, in, um, excuse me, later in, in, in the Bible, he would declare that, man, I, I am circumcised on the eighth day, the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, and a Pharisee. What that meant was Paul was very studied in the Word of God. You couldn't be no slouch and, and, and be able to say these things. And so we know that he was very familiar with the Old Testament. But there was something missing. He was lacking something. He was lacking the intimacy. He was lacking. And so that is why the scales had to fall from his eyes so that he could see that there was more to the law. He would experience meeting Jesus at the road to Damascus. And, and Jesus would point to him the need for intimacy to go beyond the traditions, to go beyond the law. So the scales of religion were removed, and he was able to see that there was a purpose for the law, and that was to point to Jesus and to understand the depth of how Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophecies. But what I want to note here is that he was so familiar with the Old Testament, but because of the Word of God does not go void, God would still use his knowledge of the Word. Because he was a student of the Word, God would use it now for his kingdom. As he would pen the New Testament, he quotes 93 times the Old Testament as he's penning the New. Isn't that encouraging to know? Even though he had memorized it with an ill fashion, it didn't matter because for God, he can still redeem that. And what it communicates to you and I is that we too need to be students as well as be intimate with the Word of God. We're to be students. We need to, uh, to understand the precepts of God as His people. Because in, in doing so, there's an intimacy developed there. So we need to bring that, that zealousness of, of who Paul was in wanting to study the Word of God, and we need to uh, marriage that together or merge it together with this idea of being intimate. That's why the Word of God is so important. That's why uh, Paul knew the importance of the Word of God. He would say to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3.16, All Scripture is given and inspired by God, and it is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for what? For every good work. And we know that God has set good works before us, right? As his poema. He set good works for us that we would walk in them. And brothers and sisters, you have to see the importance of the Word of God to direct us in that. The Word of God is so significant. If we're wanting to finish well, then we have to see the potency and the importance of the Word of God in our lives. Paul was very passionate. He was very committed to the Word of God. He constantly devoted his time to sharing his revelations and his study of the Word of God to the churches and to those he would disciple. That was his purpose, was to uh, forward the Word of God, to preach the gospel. That's what he would command Timothy to do so. 
And we need to follow in Paul's footsteps and being students of the Old Testament because it gives meaning to the New Testament. We need to be students of the New Testament so that it deepens our understanding of grace and truth and love. We need to be passionate about the Word of God so that we're able to effectively share with others. And what a great encouragement he was to us to be students. Because out of an intimacy flows what? Ministry, true ministry. When we're students, along with being intimate, seeing the scriptures as truly as the, the psalmist would declare as a light unto our path. We have to see that our daily study is a digestion of, of it's, it's what's going to use us. Is, as we spend time in the Word of God today, it's going to be useful for us tomorrow, for His kingdom. But see, Paul didn't just stop at being a student of the Word. He was a doer of the Word. See, because if he wasn't, then, then, then he would just remain as a Pharisee being knowledgeable, but not being a doer. That's why for me, personally, I can receive the man's exhortations because he wasn't just telling people to be doers of the word, but he was a doer. He was knowledgeable of it, and he did it. Turn real quick to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 gives us kind of the picture of, of, of the conversion of Paul as well as the call into his life. You see here, this is the account of Paul on the road to Damascus to do what? To persecute Christians. He was on his way to do the dirty deeds. But God met him. God met him. And he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You're kicking against the goads. You're going the wrong direction. And then God, in his great wisdom, would now send him in the right direction. And so the guy gets baptized, and, and he, he gets the call from Ananias. As, uh, he would say, you are to go. You're a chosen vessel. You're uh, to bear his name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. And uh, you also, by the way, are going to suffer many hardships for my name's sake. And then this is what I love. Verse 20. It says what? And then immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that the Son of God. Then all who had heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on his name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. From the moment of his conversion, he said, all right, it's on. People need to know. The truth was so real in his life that he's like, man, other people got to know the truth of God. And then he would begin to go. And that's what I love about this man. From the minute of conversion, he was on the go. You look at his life throughout uh, uh, the book of Acts, and you see whether he was lost at sea or whether he was in prison. It didn't matter what circumstance he was in. He was on the go. If he was lost in the, in, in the wilderness or he was being stones thrown at him, he'd beaten, it didn't matter to him because the very next step for him was to preach the gospel. I got to be on the go. And it's so important in the life of a Christian that we stay on the go, that we continue to move forward. Because the minute we stop moving forward, we stop slipping backwards. There's no neutral ground. We know this. And the minute this guy got saved, he's just on the move. Always going, always pressing on. Philippians 3.12, he tells them, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which also I've laid hold of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. 
I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Then he goes on to say, let us therefore, as many are perfect, have this attitude. This attitude of moving, pressing forward, forgetting what lies behind, grabbing a hold, moving forward, making progress, always on the go. Then he goes and say, and God will reveal that to you also. However, let us keep living by the same standard that we may have obtained. Is your life, Christian life, up and down? It needs to have a standard. It, ne it needs to remain. And, and, and the word of God is going to do just that for us. It's going to keep us steady. It's going to keep us on track as we continue to move forward, as we continue to be doers of the word. We're not just reading the word, but we're doing the word. And when you do just that, when you lay hold, you forget. I mean, if there's anyone that could say uh, or, or just get into that place of darkness of, oh, man, look at my past. I persecuted Christians. I came against Jesus. I was kicking against the goads. If anyone could see, say, sing sad songs, it would just be this man. He's making appointments with therapists because he's got issues. The man could say such things. And as believers, we probably would come alongside him. Yeah, you got issues, man. But for him, I ain't got time for that. I don't got time to talk about that. Because I'm laying hold of the upper call of Christ Jesus. I must press on. I must move forward. There's act, i got to be active in my faith. Because listen, the minute you stop being active in your faith, the minute you will get your eyes on yourself, then you will begin to analyze and get into a funk and a rut. That's why it's important. And, and listen to me. Are those hurts of the past real? Absolutely. Absolutely. But see, there's a difference between, you know, just pretending like they don't exist or not dealing with them. We got to deal with them, but we just got to give them to Jesus and then trust that he will do a work. There's nothing wrong with you coming forward, asking prayer and say, hey, I still need prayer for stuff that has happened. We're not saying that things don't exist. We can lay those before the Father. Sometimes those hurts take a while to heal, but you need to continue to move forward nonetheless. Press on to the upward call. And, you know, it's very significant that Paul, as he would be this doer of the word, that it wasn't on his own strength. It wasn't him reaching forward, pressing on, and, 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 and these, it, was, it was Christ in him. See, because that was something that he would preach himself. we got to remember that Paul didn't do these things on his own strength. You see, the Word of God was uh, showing him the way, but it was the Spirit of God that would keep him on the way. The Spirit of God. I like what he says in Romans 8, 13. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, then you will live. Then you'll have that life that Jesus promised, and that was life and life abundantly. Walking in the Spirit of God. What a great combination. Being uh, knowledgeable and a student and intimate of the Word of God, and then being a doer of the Word of God, and then asking the Spirit of the living God to help you to be a doer of the, God, of the Word. That's that whole concept that he had... Uh, told the Galatians in 5.16, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then he would go on to say, and those who are, um, are Christ have crucified the flesh and with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. We got to remember that our own desires, our own um, wants, we, we, we got to lay those things down. Because when we do so, then we become active in our faith. We move forward. We don't become stagnant. And that's the start of a good fundamental in your Christian walk to uh, get you steady in your faith. And that is to activate the Word of God in your life. <laughs> Listen, to break it down for you, basically I'm saying, people, read your Bibles. Yeah. <laughs> right? Read your Bibles and don't just be uh, readers, but be doers. 
And by the way, when you're trying to do it on your own, remember it's the Spirit of God that is willing to help you to simplify all that. Read your Bibles. And then we add prayer. Woo! Paul was a praying man. I love, I love this text. Uh, turn to Acts uh, 16. Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas, man, they were out being doers of the word. They were active in their faith, going out, sharing, encouraging the churches. And uh, right about in the middle, verse 16 of this chapter, um, they, they're casting out demons of this woman who's possessed. Basically, they're doing the work of the Father. They're doing the work of the ministry. They're doing what God had called them to do. And guess what it landed them? In jail. They're doing the work of the ministry, and it landed them in jail. And yet you read right here in verse 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And then this great earthquake takes place. And you know the rest of the story. If you don't read it, be encouraged. But my point is this. Paul was doing the work of the ministry. It landed him in jail. And his response wasn't grab a harmonica and sing, nobody knows. <laughs> the man wasn't crying. He wasn't complaining. He was singing. In other words, he saw it as an opportunity. Hey, God has stopped us and has put us in here so that we can have church. Come on, Silas. Time to sing and pray. What an encouragement to us. Because it's so easy to get into that place of complaining. Lord, I'm doing your work. I'm doing the ministry. And man... See, for Paul, it didn't matter to him. He was going to pray. Why do you think the prayer was important? What is prayer? It's communion with God. It's communicating with God. It was tantamount. It was so important. It was the fundamental that kept him on the path was prayer. This passion to communicate with God. In 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Not complain. Not whine. But give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. It's the will of God that we pray without ceasing, that we give thanks to him. And listen. What, what does it mean to pray without ceasing? It's, in my opinion, it's a constant communion with God throughout your day. I mean, you, you may think I'm crazy, but I, I mean, are there times where you're just having thoughts in your head? It's like you're talking to yourself. There's, there's going out there, the lips aren't moving, but things are happening, right? Yeah. Are you with me? Praying without ceasing is just adding God to the, that thought process. God, I'm going here. What do you think about this? Lord, I'm on my way to the grocery. Lord, this is, you're just constantly communing. You guys with me? Yeah. I apply this in my life because I need it. I need when I'm uh, walking because if I don't bring him into this, those thoughts start going where? Yeah. Bad places. So... Praying without ceasing. Paul, what do you mean? That's crazy. Does that mean wherever we're going, we're on our way, we're down, walking down Linden, we're praying out loud? Trust me, you do so, you will be um, uh, interesting. <laughs> it's like you're just shy of pulling a shopping cart and you're, all your stuff's in there. Don't be that. <laughs> be real. 
doesn't mean praying everywhere you go. Praying without ceasing is constant communion with God. Bringing them into your thought life. Bringing them into wherever you are. You're on your way to work and you know it's tough. You know it's difficult. Lord, help me. Here I go. That office person next to me. Da, da, da. Bring him into your life constantly. Not at the end of the day when you're at the end of your rope. At the end of the day where you just lost it and you're wigging out. No. Before, during, pray without ceasing. Amen? Constant communion with God. Because prayer is for everybody. Listen, if you have lips, you have a tongue, and you have a voice, then you've been given the opportunity to pray. Not just without ceasing constant communion with prayer in your mind, but in a corporate setting or even in a prayer setting like this or in a little home group setting, you have the access to pray. Oh, but Pastor G, I don't know how to pray. What do you mean? You speak, you talk, you can pray. Amen. Too many times I've, people, sometimes I'm just being real with you. I'm praying over here. People come. And, and they, they ask for prayer, and I look at them, I say, why don't you pray first? And they're like, pray? I'm, me? No, I'm coming to you because you pray. And I was like, well, you pray. And they're like, no, you pray. I said, you pray, then I'll pray. And I make it a condition to where I'm not praying for you until you pray. And they're like, oh, wow, this guy's for real. Why? Because... They need to know that they have access just as I do. I'm not this super saint. I'm not a superhuman. If you live with me, you'll know right away, no, he's not. <laughs> and so it's important for you to know, to finish well, to stay on course. You know that you have this access. You've been given the gift, and that is the gift of prayer. You can pray continually uh, without ceasing, as well as take a moment to that person at work. And say, hey, can I pray for you? Maybe nine times or one, one time, uh, no, I don't ever want you to pray for me. That's cool, because you can still pray for them. <laughs> but those other times where they say, yeah, you know what, I like your prayer. Then you pray, you lay your hands on them, and you actually open your lips and you say things. What are you relaying to them? This is real. That it can be done. I mean, it's just like... Like, what? You're not a priest? You're not some kind of holy man? You're just an office worker here willing to pray for me? Wow. That's what people need to see. And that was the life of Paul. You read throughout his epistles as well as Acts, the man was praying. And then he would exhort others to pray constantly. Prayer is for everybody. You know, two weeks ago when I was in Washington, I wasn't here at the service, but I, I was told in regards to a call to the ministry, people were just very touched and just many people were going to receive prayer. And one of my sweet gals that I just love in my home group, she said, she, she was sharing and saying, man, you know, all these people were coming forward. And I thought to myself, why aren't people going to pray for them? And then the Lord ministered to her and saying, why are you going to pray for them? Because what, we wait around for the holy people to come pray? If that's going to happen, then we'll wait forever. Because remember, we're all in the same place. We're all in the same boat, level ground at the foot of the cross. No super saints here. It's just a matter of being obedient and loving Jesus and being active in the word of God and being willing to be used as a vessel. Because maybe this morning, God is going to call you to pray for someone around you. So many times, I, I love when the Lord does that. When you just step out in faith and say, the Lord has told me to pray for you. And then you pray, and then you don't even know what you're praying. But when you pray, that person's eyes are open this big and their jaw like, wow, I can't believe that. I can't believe it either. Wow, the Lord. Because you're willing to pray. The potency of prayer is mighty. And listen, you know, Paul, you know, as, as doing a study on Paul, do a study on Paul because as he's penning the word of God, as he's encouraging the churches, you'll find, I've counted, and, and I may even miss some, I counted 38 times where Paul is exhorting and then just goes into 
organic, real, passionate, sweet, powerful prayers. They're, they're not like, where did this come from, left field? No, it's just, he's just exhorting, and then all of a sudden, he's praying. It's a great example of how to pray without ceasing, how to utilize this wonderful gift that we've been given. And friends, as, as we take heed this morning to the potency and the importance of prayer, it'll help you to remain steady in your faith, to fight the good fight, to run the race. And listen, if you need to be further stirred up in uh, this passion for prayer, remember the series. I don't know how far ago. It was, uh, I don't know, a year ago, whatever. In the book of Colossians, we took a 12-week study. God said, I want to take some time to, for you to learn about prayer, importunity. We learned all these great things about prayer. If you need to be encouraged about it, go and listen to those messages again because we need to be reminded that prayer changes things. The disciples, in, in, in their time spent with Jesus, they saw him do many miracles. He turned water into wine. He raised people from the dead. He healed the lame man. Many miracles, casting out demons. And the one thing they asked him in the book of Luke, chapter 11, verse 1, they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Why? Why would they say that? Because they knew. They didn't go to him and say, Lord, teach us to turn water into wine. I'm thinking about starting up a winery. This is amazing. No, because they saw that the power was not there. It was found in the prayer. It was found in the potency of prayer. That's why they said, Lord, teach us to pray, not teach us to perform miracles. Because they knew out of prayer, miracles would be done because prayer is communion and, and, and uh, just collaborating with God. That's the importance of prayer because it changes things. In the book of Romans chapter 9, you see that Paul... He prays just unbelievable prayer. You don't need to turn it. I'm going to read it to you real quick. It says, I'm telling you the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. That's unbelievable to me. That would be equivalent for me saying, I wish I would not be saved so that all the Mexicans in Carpinteria or all the Mexicans in California would get saved. That's a wonderful thing to be said, but I would be lying if I said that. This man was not lying because he said the Spirit of God testifies to what he was saying was true. How is it that this man's heart would be unceasing grief towards a people group that hated him, that beat him, and cursed him? How is that possible? It was prayer. Because prayer changes things. Prayer changes the heart of man. That's the only way I could explain that this man, because through prayer, through such intimacy in prayer, through such intimacy and communion with God, God gave him his heart for the people. Because it's only the heart of God that would be willing to give his son for all humanity. And that's how this man was able to say, I wish myself accursed for my countrymen. A people that hated him. It was prayer, passionate prayer. And through his intimacy in that prayer, God changed the man's heart. And then ultimately, God answered by using him to be a vessel, to be a mouthpiece. Isn't that wonderful? Be encouraged to add that fundamental, basic. Just, just be encouraged today. Lord, rekindle in me the passionate prayer. Maybe you've never had passionate prayer. That's something you can ask for today. Maybe you're still not understanding what I'm saying in regards to praying without ceasing.
You can ask the Lord for that today. That's the beauty of our prayer. But guess what? You're going to have to actually get out of your seat and move and actually move your lips. And that's cool. Because that leads us into our next place. And that was Paul is a, a man willing to fight. Paul was a fighter. Paul had a handle and a good idea of this life being a battle. He referred to himself as a man who fought the good fight. He told Timothy to fight the good fight. This man was a scrapper. <laughs> I imagine him as one. So tenacious. I mean, the minute the man got saved, he was on his way. Because remember, that same passion, apart from Christ, was a man going into living rooms and grabbing Christians. The man was passionate. And yet you see, you'll see that life of Paul was plagued with many sufferings, many trials, many tribulations. But to him, it didn't matter. Because he was willing to fight. Didn't matter where the sufferings came from, where the afflictions came from. Matter of fact, he, he told uh, the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 1.8 that he, he didn't want the church to be ignorant of the sufferings. He says, for I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia. He's letting them know, hey, I've gone out to serve the Lord, and guess what? There was burden beyond measure, above strength, so that we were despaired even unto life. He didn't want the church to be ignorant that there were sufferings to come. There was trials to come. There was hard times to come in being a Christian. But we must fight and never give up, never give in. That's important to us because it takes away all the analyzing. It takes all the questions away. Because it doesn't matter where the trial is coming from. It doesn't matter where suffering is coming from. It doesn't matter where the difficulties come from. You just fight. You could spend the time analyzing, God, where is this coming from? What's happening here? What's going on with me? I've only found that uh, analyzing, it, it, just, it just puts you into a, a funk, a neutral zone. And again, you just start messing in your, in your mind, in your head. You just get all jacked up. And friends, that's not where God wants you to be. See, for Paul, it didn't matter if a trial or a tribulation was from God. It didn't matter if it was from the flesh. It didn't matter if it was from the devil. It didn't matter if it was from the world. For him, it didn't matter because he was going to fight and press on. Matter of fact, you know, if it's from God, it, there's a result. And that is through our tribulations, knowing that tribulations bring perseverance, perseverance, proven character, and proven character what? Hope. Paul saw the glass half full. Say, there's a trial, God will use it for good. If it's from Satan, he's going to fight. He's going to work through it because it doesn't matter. Even if it's from Satan, God still can use it for good, right? Romans 8, 28. If it's the flesh, maybe for you, you know, there's trials and tribulations and difficulties because of your stupidities. It doesn't matter. You need to fight nonetheless. Doesn't matter if it's from God. Doesn't matter if it's from the enemy. Doesn't matter if it's from your own stupidity. Maybe you're having difficulties in your finance. Maybe you're having difficulties in your family life. Doesn't matter. You have need to fight and to persevere. Too many Christians throw in the towel at the sign of troubles. And a lot of times it's because it's their own stupidity. But we can't throw in the towel. We need to be fighters. We need to fight through whatever trial, whatever suffering, whatever, whatever's coming our way, we need to fight. Here's a great example. Paul in Acts chapter 20. Go ahead and turn there. This, this is... This is monumental in my life, what this passage has done for me. 
the elders at the at um, the church of Ephesus are exhorting Paul, and then ultimately follow with me in chapter uh, twenty, verse twenty-three. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, even says that that there are chains and tribulations awaiting. The elders were saying, hey, man, the, the path you're on is just, it's just got a lot of knuckle sandwiches on it. Paul, you're heading into some difficulties. And the Spirit of God would even say, there's chains and tribulations awaiting you. And Paul's response was, none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish the race with joy. And the ministry which I've received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel of the grace of God. To Paul, it didn't matter. I mean, just imagine if someone would say, hey, you're on your way to uh, doing great things for God, but on your way, there's tribulations and, and chains awaiting you. A lot of us would throw in the towel and say, I don't know. We'd throw in the towel, but for Paul... It didn't matter to him. None of these things moved him. For him, he had purposed in his heart that I just want to finish the race. And how wonderful is that, that here we see him purposing in his heart to finish the race. In the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4, we see him doing just that. That's a testimony that it can be done, friends. Because he's a man just like us. We too can purpose in our heart, Lord, none of these things move me. The difficulty of my family, the difficulty of my kids, the difficulty of my job, the difficulties that the world has thrown my way, none of these things move me that I might just run the race. But not just run the race, but run it with joy. That's amazing. But, but what does it mean, friends, to fight I believe what it means to fight through these tribulations, through these trials, is just applying the Word of God, being doers of the Word, staying steady and staying in prayer. Never giving up, never giving in, never throwing in the towel. Because the afflictions are going to come. You read the Apostle Paul, this man was a man that received many afflictions. But listen, I don't want that to, do, to, to discount your afflictions because it's so easy to be lied to by the enemy. Like, well, my afflictions are not being beaten. Maybe you haven't been stoned. Maybe you haven't been uh, in a place where you're a missionary and you're bitten by poisonous snakes and shipwrecked or left for naked or thrown uh, into uh, dungeons. Maybe that's not your trial. Maybe that's not your affliction. But our afflictions are real nonetheless. See, and the enemy would have us not see them as afflictions or as trials or as a battle, and so we give up. And kind of in a weird way, we'd say, but if, but if I was like Paul on the mission field, I wouldn't give up. I would be strong, but, but that's not happening to me. I'm just, I'm just got to go to Starbucks and work, and it's difficult, and I'm really throwing the towel. No, those, that's your affliction. That's your, that's your trial. That's your spiritual battle. And the enemy wants you to get off track. He wants you to be derailed so that you're not fighting the good fight. But listen, friends, when trials, when hard times come, when afflictions come, we must remain. Stay steady on course. Stay on course. Stay in the Word of God. Stay in prayer. Continue to fight the good fight. Because it doesn't matter where the trials come from. What matters is that you, the outcome, right? It doesn't matter. You don't need to analyze. You need to overthink these things. Just keep your eyes on the prize and don't overanalyze. That's my phrase for the day. I hope you take it and receive it. Because so often as Americans or just in the way we are, we want to analyze everything. And it does nothing to benefit the kingdom. 
Analysis produces paralysis. Don't analyze it. Just fight through it. And listen, so many times as we're running the race, we, we, we become discouraged. And, and listen, friends, I, I want to bring it to even a, a simpler level for us. Sometimes the battle is just reading your Bible. It's not being shipwrecked. Because let's just be honest. Some of us will never see the afflictions of the Apostle Paul. But those were his afflictions. You are not the Apostle Paul. I am not the apostle. I have my afflictions. You don't have mine. I have my difficulties. You have yours. Fight through them. Fight the good fights. Stay on course. I'll tell you the truth. This week, knowing the message that I would be giving, knowing the, the importance of the word of God, I'm telling you the truth, that the difficulty to be in the Bible this week was over and abundant difficult for me. But I had to persevere. I had to fight. So what does the fight look like? <laughs> Just opening the Bible and getting in it and knowing that in that, I'm fighting the good fight and I'm finishing. Throwing in the towel is, uh, maybe I should check my email. Uh, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should take that phone call. Maybe I should go there. Maybe I should do this. See how... That was a battle that I just lost. Maybe for you, your battle is just staying focused in prayer. Maybe for you, the battle is staying pure, being kind to your family. Maybe you, for the, the, the battle is, 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 is just being uh, um, real at your work and, and not complaining and, and, you know, just... Being a, a, a true Christian, maybe you're discouraged this morning, and, and that is a battle you need to fight. If you're discouraged this morning, you need to know that you need to put up your dukes and fight. Stay on course. Keep your eyes on the prize. I love that the Apostle Paul, he would say to the church of Corinth, don't lose heart. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 says, Don't lose heart even though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light afflictions, funny for him to say that, right? Our light afflictions, beatings, shipwrecks, whatever. They're just for a moment. It is working for us far more exceeding for the eternal weight. Listen, the, 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 this passage is so important because we must realize that in these trials, there is triumph, but then there is good that will come out of it. And again, it doesn't matter where the trials come from. Maybe it's your own stupidity. Maybe your marriage is in shambles, and it's easy to throw in the towel, but it was your stupidity, and it doesn't matter about it. You just need to not overanalyze it and think who was at fault. You just need to fight the good fights. You need to humble yourself, get in the Word of God, and get on your knees and pray and watch and see what God will do in the end. When you get through the trial, you'll be able to say with confidence, as this text would, would uh, declare, that there is comfort and there is a, a great reward. There, there is a work that God wants to do. Because for Paul, it's, man, I can't, these, these present sufferings, I don't count them worthy to be compared. He had such an eternal perspective, and that's where we need to be. We need to have the eternal perspective because maybe for you, your trial, your difficulty is raising your kids, and here's where you are in dealing with them. So narrow-minded, and it's difficult, and it's a task, and it's a daily battle. But if you open your eyes to the eternal perspective, you'll see that you have but a moment with those kids. And maybe then it will give you the patience to love them and care for them. I'm speaking as a father. 
if you have the eternal perspective, you'll know that you're only working at Starbucks for a moment. And you have to seize every opportunity for the glory of God wherever you are, wherever your little feet take you, wherever God has you, that's where he wants you to be a minister. You've been given, all of us are, are as ambassadors of Christ Jesus, we've been all given the ministry of reconciliation. And if we stay on track in the word of God and we stay in prayer and we're continually doing it, we'll see that we will be these tools that God wants to. In his hands, he will minister through us and it will be to his glory. Amen? It will be to his glory. Because the beautiful thing is, is that God promises that he will comfort it in, in our times of tribulations. I'm closing with this last passage in 2 Corinthians. That, that God will comfort us uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God of Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all tribulations, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort from which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. So for us, it doesn't matter what trials coming away, what tribulations coming your way. We know we just got to fight through it because when we do, we know that we are going to receive the comfort from the Lord. He's not going to abandon us. He's not going to split. He's not going to depart. He's our great and awesome God. But so often, instead of allowing the, the God of all comfort to comfort us, we comfort ourselves with our own pacification of drinking or TV or computer. There's all these things that we comfort ourselves with in our times of trials and tribulations and sufferings. Instead of turning to the Lord, instead of staying on course, instead of staying in the Word, instead of staying in this attitude of praying without ceasing, we comfort ourselves with the things of the world, and that just leaves us a mess. Because now the enemy's got you where he wants you. And that is pacifying yourself, eyes on your own self. No longer eyes on the prize. Your eyes are on yourself, overanalyzing, getting all messed up. But thanks be to God that this morning he would reveal to us these great fundamentals, just basic as can be. Read your Bible. Do what the Bible says. Be empowered by the Spirit of God. Stay in constant communion and prayer with Him and be a fighter. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Fight the good fight. Persevere. Run the race so that we all would finish well. Amen? Amen. That we all would finish well. Father, thank you. Thank you for this morning that you've given us together. And Lord, we're just excited that this morning you have reminded us of your truths. You reminded us of the potency of prayer. You reminded us of the potency of your word. And Lord, it means nothing unless we are doers of it. It means nothing unless we now activate and fight and run. So we ask and we give this time to you, Jesus. Listen. You have an opportunity right now to fight. Maybe the Lord would have you battle and come forward and ask prayer for passionate love for him again. Maybe you're stagnant in your time of reading the word. Maybe you haven't stayed pure. Maybe you're a mess. Right now, you've been given the opportunity to fight by moving forward, by going and, and, and connecting with the God that loves you and has never forsaken you. Maybe for you, you haven't started well. But guess what? You can finish well. Maybe your Christian life has just been ups and downs. It's never been steady. Today, you can draw a line in the sand like the Apostle Paul and say, none of these things move me that I might just run the race. Maybe that's what you need prayer for. To, to, to ask the Lord to give you what is needed to run the race, to be steady. So as you know, we have our time up here. This morning I exhorted, and, and, and God bless that little person. She came forward and she got saved. Because what, 
what it was is, is, is that she, as a little kid, knew that she, she had confessed Jesus Christ, but she didn't believe him. Her, she told me, she goes, I don't know if I'm saved. Because I look at my life and it doesn't look like it. And so we made a little, little prayer time right there. And, and, and I believe she saved right on track, moving for the kingdom of God. And maybe there's some of you in here this morning that you need to pray. You need to recommit your life to Christ. Because maybe in your life you haven't reflected the potency of Christ. And so come. Come receive prayer. Get right with him. In Jesus' name, let's let this time of the Lord deal with us rightly.